You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to We Are Libertarians Daily. I am your host, Sarah Brady Wagner, and today I'm here with Alex Haney, who is here to talk about the North Carolina tax cap that was recently amended into our state constitution, but is also a phenomenon that is present in a few other states. So the idea here is pretty straightforward. There is a limit to how much the General Assembly can ever raise the income tax to in North Carolina. Um, Now that this has passed, that limit is 7%. Uh, It used to be 10%. But one question that comes up a lot is, why is it necessary? What's the point? So Alex is here to talk to us about why any state would want to have a tax limit and how it could possibly help. How's it going? Uh, Yeah, I'm here tonight (laughs) to talk on the subject of taxes because I'm one of the roughly five people in the entire country that actually enjoys this kind of subject. Um, I recently, during the, uh, during the campaigning season for the tax cap, I worked pretty hard to make sure that this got passed and, uh, really, really excited to see that, you know, be the case. Uh, like you said, the question often that comes up is, well, where, how are we going to pay for things? Uh, the one that came up the absolute most when I was, when I was working on it was, um, well, how are we going to pay for the education system? How are we going to pay for, uh, roads that came up sometimes. How are we going to pay for failing infrastructure? Well, roads it, is always our favorite question. I swear. <laughs> I'm to the point where I'm like, you know what? Get rid of all the roads. I'll <laughs> hike. I'm just sick of that question. Hover cars don't need roads. That's also true. Hmm. Future, though. Well, not according to the Jetsons. They happened in 2002. Um, anyway, and the answer to that is, you know, like like with most economic issues, the surface level gets people pretty riled up um, on either side. When you delve into it, even just a little bit, though, you realize that lower taxes are actually a positive net value for a community, for a state, you know, however large you want that community sample to be. And the reason for that is this. Uh, As income taxes go lower and and corporate taxes go lower, there's a huge incentive for people to move into a state for businesses to move into a state. With those new people, you end up with a higher tax revenue as opposed to when you would if you were levying a higher tax on fewer people. And when you free up that money for each individual, people become more willing and more comfortable with spending money, with investing, uh, as opposed to just putting money in the bank and sitting on it or not spending anything. You know, putting it in their couch cushions. That's an old favorite. Um... So what ends up happening is the economy grows. As the economy grows, you get more people in. Uh, we've seen this in, in Texas and Florida, both of which, oh, and New Hampshire, actually. Uh, slightly less New Hampshire, but that has more to do with just location and size of the state than it does with you know, it's anything It's very else. cold. It is very cold. And you're surrounded by Vermont, New York, well, you know, places like that. Uh, not my cup of tea. <laughs> so uh, according to a recent study that was conducted on the economic freedom scale of each state, what we're looking at is uh, states like Texas, which does not have an income tax, ranked number 10. Uh, States like Florida, ranked number one. Florida ranked number one in economic freedom. New Hampshire actually ranked number three. Um, California ranked number 48. 
Hawaii 49, and good old New York with uh, King Cuomo and uh, Bill de Blasio ranked dead last. And what, uh, what we've seen because of that, in a recent article from CNBC, not exactly a right-wing station, uh, 800,000 people are about to flee New York and California because of taxes. Too many of them are coming here to North Carolina. As long as they're bringing their money and don't want to change our laws. That's true. So the, kind of the, the basic underlying principle here is more people means more money. Exactly. Without having to burden the individual taxpayer. But wouldn't it necessarily burden the, um, the public systems, though, in the state? So How do you mean? Schools, for example. You have more people come, they have more students, you're going to have more people in schools. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely true, which is, uh, which is a good thing in itself. Uh, the problem that we run into with funding the schools is not an issue of funding. The schools have huge amounts of funding. I, I want to say, and you can fact check me on this, but I want to say for the last three years in a row, teachers have gotten a salary raise. I think it might have been five, actually. Five? Okay, well, even better. In North Carolina. Uh, the problem comes from too much administration. Administrative costs are through the roof. So it's a matter of spending money wisely as opposed to bringing in more money. Uh, since 19, since the 60s, we've tripled the per capita, you know, per student uh, expenditures, and test scores have gone down. So it's clearly not an issue. It, I mean, and, that out, and that is lower than the rate of inflation, which is important because it shows that we're outspending per student than we are um, you know, making money. So, you know, somebody might bring up the idea that, oh, well, it's tripled because things have gotten more expensive. Uh, the dollar doesn't go as far. Oh, right. that's, that's just not true. Um, one to one, the ratio is higher on the amount of spending we've put in. And, uh, so obviously the issue is not funding. So the issue then kind of becomes trying to change the incentives to incentivize, um, different government agencies, different public services to spend the money more efficiently. So exactly. the question then would be, is that necessarily, or is that hopefully something that a limit on income tax would do, or is it maybe just only one part of it? It's definitely only one part, but it's such an in-your-face kind of part where people really notice when their income taxes go up. In the past, North Carolina has raised the sales tax in moments of, you know, when, when we needed a hike in, in tax rates, something like that. And, uh, and people notice the sales tax when it goes up, too, which kind of forces the legislature to make sure that it's only temporary. Uh, an income tax feels a little bit more steady, I guess. Uh, people are more okay with it because it only comes out once every two weeks. It's also a little less elastic. A lot yeah. of times if you raise the sales tax, then people will buy less. Um, right. Where people don't necessarily earn less just because the income tax goes up. Right. I mean, they do, but it's very marginal. Right. I and mean, they bring home less. But yeah, absolutely. Uh, you, you definitely notice it less. So it's harder to make that a temporary thing. So putting a cap on it is definitely a positive. Now, as your question as far as... Um, Incentivizing better spending? That's it. Thank you. Sorry, I had a cough. <laughs> uh, incentivizing better spending. Yeah, it... It is one part, but it's a major part. So the theory is if you cut off the funding for the state and make them realize like, oh, we're not going to be able to spend as much, well, hopefully they will plan for that. Now, that's a perfect world. Uh, before the tax cap came into place, Governor Cooper uh, had a, a budget proposal that would literally double the budget from one, from last year or from this year to next year, which is insane. <laughs> Uh, without you know doing anything else, but under the five point four nine tax that we've had recently, we've had a fully funded 
um, rainy day fund, which came in handy during a few rainy days. I was say, we have very rainy days very in North rainy Carolina days. lately. Yeah. Uh, so, but we had it, it was fully funded. We haven't, um, our roads are significantly better than the ones in South Carolina and in multiple other states that I've been in. Oh, you cross the border into South Carolina, you know it without even seeing a sign. It's immediate. But we've got good infrastructure. It's there. We've got the money for better education. We've got the money for all this stuff. We just have to spend it more wisely. And with bringing people in to the state and businesses to the state, which bring in jobs, you do get that higher revenue. You bring in more money. You can do even more, all without harming the individual taxpayer. Um, so the only other kind of angle I want to take on this, I mean, unless you have more to add, which I do welcome, would be the different types of taxes. So we've touched on that there's a sales tax, um, but when it comes to tax limits or tax caps, uh, particularly state constitution, state constitutional um, limits on how high different taxes can go, some states do have uh, parts that refer to income taxes. But for example, Alabama actually places a corporate income tax rate limit. Uh, they have a rate limit of 6.5% in their constitution. I would love to see that here too. Um, and uh, then you have Michigan and Massachusetts. They just require a flat rate income tax. So no progressive system where different people get taxed at different rates. Um, what, in your opinion at least, how what, what is the best kind of tax cap? I mean, if we were to say a tax cap is good, if you can only have one, like what do you think impacts the state budget uh better or worse well other than the obvious answer of zero um why i said only one (laughs) so i think having a tiered system is is never a good thing you end up punishing people for for making more income i i think that's it's not only economically harmful but it's just morally corrupt in my mind um having something like a flat income tax that would be closer to a good system um, having a flat sales tax, I think, would be the best way to go. People are going to spend money. They're going to buy things. Uh, people with more money tend to buy more, and they buy more expensive things. Uh, if there's a concern about, you know, people buying food, stuff like that. On yeah, the lower, that's usually the concern right. about sales taxes. They tend to be regressive if you don't exclude um, necessary items. Yeah, I mean, if you did exclude um, necessary items, like I, I think in... I think in North Carolina, there's a discrepancy between, certainly in South Carolina, there's a discrepancy between sales tax on food versus sales tax on other things. Mm-hmm. And it's like 6 to 7%. Yeah. Um, we also have for difference food. for um, actually different types of food. So prepared food is taxed, I believe, at a different rate than um, just like groceries. Yeah, sure. I, I think that's a much better idea, uh, you know, to help take care of that kind of thing. But the, you know, if you wanted to do the, do the math on it and come up with a system where, you know, under a certain income bracket, you're not paying any income tax, especially with people that are more on the uh, the government dime. There's really no point to paying an income tax there um, because it's just going right back to the government. Well, then it, doesn't that accentuate the fiscal cliff that's caused by um, when you're kind of being, trying to come off of welfare programs? Um, part of the taxation that's involved in that is you want people to work, you, um, but as they earn more, then you want to kind of slowly get them used to the taxation that will then kind of more fully kick in once they make enough that they are a net taxpayer rather than a net um, recipient. I think that goes a little bit deeper than just that issue. I I think that is part of it. Yeah. Um, But I think what, what the big problem really is, is that in certain situations, if you go up into a different uh, tax bracket, 
you know, there's an incentive to literally not make more money because you'd bring home less. Um, like just for example, uh, these aren't the actual numbers unless I stumble into them. But let's say you make forty nine thousand and you're about to get a raise to fifty five. Uh, it's a hell of a raise. Yeah, it'd be a nice raise, right? Uh, just for or let's just say fifty then, forty nine to fifty. But you would go into a higher income tax bracket at fifty, and you'd end up bringing home less money than you do at forty nine. I mean, that's you know you're you're stymieing the. Uh, the entire incentive to to move up in the world. Well, but you're still taking home more than you would at 49 because the first 49 is only taxed at a lower rate. That's how progressive tax systems tend to work. Yeah, I mean, again, this is just an example for yeah. a particular uh, system. No, I, I would really like to see a complete flat sales tax as far as a way, or yeah, flat sales tax as far as a way to create and generate income. Um, I don't think... You know, if, if someone's using an, an EBT card, say, well, don't tax that. Uh, tax other things. Uh, tax, you know, like cigarettes, beer, stuff like that that can't be paid for mm-hmm. legally uh, through a, a government system. Yeah, North Carolina actually has a very rich history of uh, kind of what you're hitting on there, which is sin taxes. Uh, mm-hmm. The idea that you want to tax bad things because taxing in and of itself is a disincentive. You know, like you were talking about before, it's... You, the more you raise taxes on earnings, then you create a disincentive to continue working and continue earning more. And the same can be said with uh, cigarette taxes and alcohol taxes and maybe, hopefully, in a million years in North Carolina, uh, cannabis tax. <laughs> um, uh, j- just to clarify very quickly, because I know at least some of the libertarians listening to this are pulling their hair out. Uh, I, I don't promote a sin tax. <laughs> like I, I don't want to tax those things at a higher rate. I just use those as examples for obvious things that couldn't be used for, you know, with a, a government check. Well, um, if anybody if anybody wants somebody to hate on, I consider sin taxes to be one of the less objectionable taxes, not to say that taxes of any kind are good. That's disgusting. Yeah, well, uh, people need somebody to hate on. Well, all right, fair enough. Don't don't take my beer away from me, please. <laughs> um to to kind of to kind of close out, I want I've got a couple of lists pulled up right here according to um U.S. News, the best states, as far as the uh, the highest economy go, are Colorado, Utah, Washington, California, Florida, Oregon, Idaho, Texas, Massachusetts, and Delaware. That's the top ten. Now, you notice a bunch of those are really highly taxed cities or uh, states, such as Washington, California, Oregon, Massachusetts, and Delaware, and the reason for those being so high in the uh, in the rankings has a lot more to do with major corporations being there, rather than small businesses. You know, the more the backbone. Not to sound like a politician, um, like Washington has, you know, Seattle. Uh, Starbucks is in Seattle. Uh, I think there's there's I know there's a few others that I, I'm not remembering off the top Amazon. of my head. Amazon. Amazon's in Seattle. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. I use Amazon all the time. We'd be I forget that. So excited that Amazon is not coming to Raleigh. Yeah, I am too. I'm thrilled. <laughs> uh, California has, you know, Silicon Valley, all the tech startups, Facebook, Google, uh, Apple, all this stuff. I mean, they're, you know, so they have a huge amount of, of just raw money that's sitting there. Um, Massachusetts has Boston, huge amounts of revenue in there. Same thing that happens with New York, even though they didn't make the top 10. And then Delaware is actually where people go to incorporate the most often because they have the the uh, least stringent laws on uh, incorporation uh, the lowest taxes for corporations there um, so a lot of places even if they have physical presence you know their main headquarters say might be in 
uh, Nevada, but then they'll incorporate in Delaware. A uh, little little insider baseball there for mm-hmm. you. And then, according to a according to Fortune magazine, the top ten states in America to start a new business, Texas takes the the top spot, and almost all of these are very low tax states: Texas, Utah, Georgia. Uh, Montana, Oklahoma, Florida, North Dakota, California, obviously, again, because of the, just the amount of people and the Silicon Valley area, uh, Arizona, and Colorado. The 10 worst, on the other hand, Hawaii, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, Vermont, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, New Jersey, Connecticut, Maryland, and Alabama. And aside from Alabama and West Virginia, those are wildly taxed states. And for Alabama and West Virginia, my assumption is going to be just that there's just not a huge amount of market in those two states. There's also, um, when it comes to finding employees. Right. Um, you just got fewer people. Yeah. You know. it's, it, skilled workforces are an important part. I mean, that's one of the right. things that states like to advertise a lot. Right. Exactly. So I, I think that has a lot to do with those. But, you know, you notice between the two lists, the top 10 are vastly low tax states, whereas the bottom 10 are vastly overtaxed states. I mean, it's it's pretty basic supply side economics to say that the lower someone pays for as a penalty to start a business somewhere, the more likely they are to start the business there. That brings in money, brings in jobs, brings in more tax revenue. It is a positive overall, so long as there aren't any kind of tax uh, based subsidies, uh, things like that. Like you were saying with Amazon, how they're selling their souls, what little they have left in New York and D.C. To make sure they get the offices. Well, my understanding with New York is New York didn't want them in the first place. Really? Yes. And at D.C., somewhat to the same degree. Like, these are actually two areas that... Um, I, actually, Crystal City probably offered some pretty impressive incentives. But Yeah. I mean, you're in the you're in the seat of economic power in New York, yeah. and you're in the seat of legislative power right there in Northern Virginia. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it makes sense that they would want to move to those places. Yeah. I, I remember reading one over article that basically described it as... Um, it's a master class in how to date. They ended up picking the two places that didn't want them there in the first place. <laughs> I don't know. How is that a master class in dating? We just have to ask, act uninterested. That's what makes people come over. I don't know. Is that what does it? I'm married. I, I'm not very great at dating anymore. Oh, clearly. I'm miss, I missed the, <laughs> miss the bulletin on that one. Um, well, Alex, is there any other um, fascinating tidbits or information uh, in relation to income tax that you'd like to drop on us? Nothing other than just a reminder that, uh, you know, the lower an income tax and the lower a corporate tax, the better the economy does. When we see the economy not do well under such situations, it's because of other issues that have nothing to do with those two, such as subsidies for failing companies. Like, look at the bailouts. Uh, tariffs are really bad for companies. Things like that. And you mean the, you can't do interstate tariffs? Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like that would be a bureaucratic nightmare. It would absolutely be a bureaucratic nightmare, unless each state handled it. Um, but, you know, then Congress is going to come in with their interstate commerce clause. Mm-hmm. Open uh, borders. Yeah. You can't see this right now, but I just rolled my eyes so hard it hurt. Um, no, uh, the the only other thing I would mention is, uh, you know, just remember, hashtag taxation is theft. Don't open conversations with that. No, they, please, only use that phrase with other libertarians. Right. <laughs> it's kind of our, like, greeting. Yeah. You know? But not not a great sales pitch. No, it tends to turn people off pretty quick. But never forget it. <laughs> uh, other than that, if you're uh, interested in my other ramblings, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever. Um, Sarah, thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. 
Thanks for coming out. And everyone, if you've enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to like and subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, all of your favorite podcasting apps, and check us out on YouTube as well. Um, We'll be coming up with some more Speaking of Liberty, or not Speaking of Liberty, that's the other podcast. We'll be coming up with um, some more Fundamental Freedoms videos soon. And so please check us out. And as always, five-star ratings are highly appreciated.